Hi, Pamela. Hi, Kate. Hi, Leon. Thanks. Hi, Leon. To um, record this podcast today. And today we're going to be looking at um, COVID-19 and BAME community vaccine hesitancy. So a little bit of context um, before we start. Uh, According to a recent polling study, 72% of black people in the UK are hesitant about taking the COVID-19 jab. Um, So really just to sort of get some thoughts from you both on that Pamela do you want to start and maybe sort of give us your views on on, on what's driving some of that and then we can explore um, you know how we can improve the situation and, and really get back some of that um, trust um, and counter some of that misinformation that's out there at the moment yeah thank you Leon thanks um I think there, um, there are, there are, there's been a lot that's been going on um, for nearly a year in this pandemic, so coming up to a year. Um, it's been a lot of information. We've been all been overwhelmed with um, different pieces. I think what we've seen in the NHS is that we've been moving at fast pace. Um, we're all very aware of the vaccine programme and all the hard work that's been, that's gone into that. Um, some of the questions that... Um, that we've we've been posed in the NHS, but also hearing about what's going on in our local communities are questions such as um, why is it taken this length of time? It's been so quickly, you know, why did the vaccine, you know, happen so fast? So there's this real feeling of, um, you know, with other vaccines, it takes many years. What's the reason for this? Um, there's also a feeling of um, pace, you know, the fact that the vaccination programme is being rolled out so quickly um and i guess the other sort of challenge is um around people questioning the ingredients within the vaccine so they're i guess they're the sort of key things that we've we've heard about within the nhs but also out in our communities okay anything that that you want to add to that yeah i suppose agreeing completely with what pamela has said but also being aware that there's so much misinformation out there, um, especially being sent to um, religious and um, um, ethnic minority communities, that I I think, depending on what, especially if you use a lot of social media, you can become inundated with a lot of information that is at odds with with what's been put out of the mainstream media. And I think if, you know, if, if a community doesn't really have much faith in the the establishment as such they they may be more likely especially if they're having so much information sent to them to believe um this to believe what has been sent through to them through different media and different forms and it's really important that we try and address that and as Pamela said try and listen to people's concerns and try and understand where they're coming from because we also know that uh, our BAME community has a historic mistrust of the NHS as well, which is deep-seated. So that's something else that we need to address and tackle. Yeah, I think that's a br- brilliant point, um, Kate, around the, you know that mistrust and and how we kind of start to um, build that back up. But but I think also from my perspective anyway I think it's probably not always helpful that the mainstream media you know government the big kind of social media platforms you know maybe sort of ban delete or or suppress 
questions and, and, and conversations um, that maybe push against that official NHS line um, that, that, that we have. So I think it's, it is important that any debate around the vaccine can withstand you know some of that some of that questioning which you know I would hope people are able to to, to, to do and start to evaluate the benefits and risks you know of medicine medicine before they take it um, you know if the risks if there are hidden risks um, you know then then let's be transparent about that I'm not saying that that's the case around um, the COVID-19 vaccine but but they are genuine questions that people will have that they will want answers to um, for their own reasons Um, and I think we get often kind of caught in that you know we are experts we are clinicians etc etc um, so we know best but actually you know by definition of being a patient um, and, and maybe knowing your yourself and your conditions or whatever it might be is that actually we are ex- we are all experts by our own experiences um, and I think some of that spills over into this um, conversation as well I think there's also as, as Pamela highlighted earlier around misinformation um, there, there is a lot of misinformation flying around some of which people are buying into um, which isn't massively helpful but then you've got that legacy of mistrust you know and you could roll out things like you know thalidomide you know is one really good example isn't it as to why people um would roll that one out and say this is a reason for for me you know not feeling confident you know of having the jab so I I think you know the work around myth busting talking to communities uh, and and mixing it up and having communities alongside you know those kind of esteemed um clinical excellence if you like um driving the conversations uh, together uh, to come out uh, hopefully with more um, not just good quality information but but really give people and communities a sense of confidence mm. as to what they're, they're going into I, th- I think I would say sorry sorry Kate <laughs> you go first it's fine <laughs> I was um, I was just thinking about what you were saying Leon and I I think there's something that probably hasn't been, you know we haven't had the opportunity to really recognize um because we're all still in the pandemic, there's something about this um, current situation has really challenged all of us as human beings um, and really sort of pushed us into a completely different space. So, um, you know, fear, anxiety, um, distrust, you know, they're all ordinary human reactions and there may well be, you know, beyond all of the um, academic research there's something about human beings feeling so scared because of the current situation we're in and then not knowing what to do um and definitely in the uk you know as as we all know um everything's changed week by week you know we we've gone from we're now in our third lockdown um we went went into a tier system um for about three to four months of last year 
Um, and again, you know, when we we're in the tier system, there were lots of challenges as to what we could do and what we can't do. Um, so lots of our um, personal choices have been um, restricted, um, which is, is the only time in, in our living history that we have all ever experienced anything like this. Um, so um, so I think I think all of those things really, um, you know, they're, they're all in, in the same the same sphere of thought really around why people are so nervous about so many decisions that um, statutory organisations are making. I think as well there's so, as you're saying Pamela, there's so much information that is out there that's coming out at such a fast pace that some people just you know, through no fault of their own aren't up to date with the current information and that's not, you know, anything that they've done wrong it's that they're busy they may have children they don't have time to look at the news or or read the papers and you know or maybe they don't want to and it really is some kind of sometimes an information overload but what I think is really important going back to what Leon said is that people should be able to feel that they are able to ask questions about the vaccine and that opportunity is open for them. It doesn't matter what that question is because it's their genuine question um, and people shouldn't be denied the right to ask that, whether it's to um, their GP, whether it's to a nurse, people at the vaccine centre. Um, keeping the avenue open is all part of, of the informed consent process. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's such an important um, point, Kate. And, you know, we do need to encourage more openness in our discussions um certainly you know more broadly around you know inequality and sectionality you know how we communicate messages you know so that we can have those difficult uh, and uncomfortable conversations um which which is is hard for, for i think hard for for services or people you know delivering services to to, to understand sometimes especially when you know time is of the essence and you know it, it is such an urgent um, you know an urgent need an urgent situation but by making time you know for that community engagement and, and I say that within within organizations as well you know when, how we engage with our workforce because our workforce are, are, are also our communities as well they, they both go side by side don't they um, but by making the time for that, you know, we can start to build trust um, across our BAME communities. And, and that would be, you know, a start to raising, for me, the number of, of people um, open to, to taking the vaccine. You know, I, I guess, you know, as a society, you know, we do need urgent community-led conversations. This, this pandemic you know, has further exposed some brutal truths with its disproportionate impact on BAME communities, um, you know, across the board. So it, it's very much um, been a theme of this pandemic. And while it's difficult, there's probably never been a better space in time to kind of capitalise on some of that as well. Um, because historically, it has eroded trust, you know, in government, health system, professionals. So, you know, in many ways, we do need a reset um, and we need to do it now as a matter of urgency because lives are at stake, you know, absolutely. So definitely agree, Leon. It's um, completely shone a light on the um, inequalities in our society. 
which um, some some of it can be reflected in other countries. Um, so, uh, you know, what we found um, definitely in the UK is that there's a strong link around um, socioeconomic factors um, and occupational um, jobs. So people who are more exposed to the virus in frontline professions. I remember in the first wave reading about um, a large percentage of black and Asian um, bus drivers um, who worked for London, um, London Transport, who had contracted COVID and very sadly, some of them passed away. I remember thinking, you know, what's going on there? What's happening? You know, why are those people affected? And, you know, through the last couple of months, we've been able to understand far more about the virus um, and its transmissibility. And, um, you know, with those bus drivers, it was that regular exposure um, that really affected them. So, um, so there's so, so many um, areas um, to look at on the back of um, the health inequalities of COVID that I think are really important that we do start having those very uncomfortable conversations um, and we hold a mirror to ourselves as a society um, and, and look at, you know, why have we got such glaringly obvious inequalities? I think it's a, it's a, a really important um, point that you make. Kate, is there anything that, that, that you would like to come in uh, off the back of that? I'd just like really to pick up on your point on community engagement and how important it is to engage on that really local level. Um, I saw briefly in the news this morning that there is a vaccine campaign video with Elton John and Michael Caine on, which is great and not a bad thing to do at all but whether it's going to reach the communities that they that they perhaps want them to reach i'm not sure because you know the, the these are um sort of establishment white figures that people not, might not relate to um so i think there needs to be a much more nuanced approach but on but on the other hand you know maybe that is just what approaching through mainstream media and there as we know there is other communications work that's going on um through less well-established links so i think maybe it's something that needs to go hand in hand you have this over overarching approach um from the mainstream media and then much more nuanced approach with the community as well but i think you need both to work together and we shouldn't just rely on on, on one mechanism and one medium to get the message across yeah, I think I yeah, t- totally agree. Um, I mean, while it's always welcome to have, you know, uh, a big kind of uber A-list um, figures like Elton John and Michael Caine, um, there's also a lot of people who won't have a clue actually who they are as well, certainly when we start to think of our younger generation. Absolutely. Um, and which, which kind of brings me on to, I guess, the ne- next point or maybe the final point before we kind of... Um, you know, bring this podcast to a close is is how do we move forward and actually how do we start to kind of think about the, the less vulnerable groups let's say thinking about some of that younger generation starting to get involved in this conversation but more importantly being um, open um, to um, taking uh, the vaccine themselves uh, for that much kind of wider broader societal benefit 
So, Pamela, start with you. Any thoughts about how we would go about doing that? Yeah, so I, so I, do, I do think, you know, we work in the NHS, we have our own responsibility and how we share that messaging and how we influence, how we message um, definitely locally. Um, and obviously, you know, at Solent NHS, the organisation the three of us work for, we've been um, doing some bespoke work with our um, communities already. So I do think there is something about that and also connecting um, any best practice that's going around um, and sharing it, you know, more widely. Um, so, I, But I do feel like there is a responsibility in statutory organisations to do something and not just wait for, um, you know, community organisations to do their bits. Um, I think with regards to young people, there is something which, um, you know, going forward, it, it might be that there's some, you know, further work with um, education providers, um, you know, charities that work with young people, um, groups that um, we may not necessarily um, consider engaging with in our sort of mainstream work, but we want to reach out and connect with um, and, and try and um, create something that the messaging is um, relatable to to different generations. So I think, again, that mess the messaging has to change depending on which generational group, um, you know, we're talking about. And I would just add to that as well, that when, for the point you were making, Pamela, about engaging with children and young people, the best way to get that message across in a way that is of value to them is to actually work with them to deliver that message um, and work in partnership with them, not assuming that the... Um, the organisation that is directing that message knows best because it's going to have much more impact and much more value and also tap into all the social media channels that we know that children and young people use, especially at the moment when they are all um, unable to go out and meet their friends. And it is going to be a difficult message to get across because, and this is, I admit a generalisation, a lot of young people think they're invincible. So it's going to be something that... Um, it's going to need a lot of work for them, but I think needs to, that work needs to be done hand in hand um, with young people and with their participation. Yeah, I, I think that's that's so important. And, you know, I think there is a sense of, um, you know, this isn't our problem today, but maybe sort of further down the line, um, things can change quite, quite quickly. Um, so, so I think we have all got got a stake in it, and, it, and it's important to kind of acknowledge that. I, I also think it's important to consider, you know, those when we think about uh, about those BAME um, COVID nineteen inequalities, but also think about some of those, you know, in inverted commas, you know, those white other groups um, that are hesitant to come forward. So, thinking about Eastern European communities thinking about uh, gypsy and traveler communities as well i think these are really key areas of work because i think that we're in danger of 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 kind of bypassing some of that um and their needs are just as um as, as pressing and as important uh, as any of those other sort of more kind of um widely acknowledged um BAME communities that we've that we've alluded to um in this discussion well listen thank you so much um for your time today guys um that was a really imp interesting and important conversation and hopefully um we'll be back again soon 
um, to maybe explore this further, see kind of um, how progress uh, has evolved, um, and, and hopefully in a few months' time, um, we'll all be in a, in a much better, stronger place um, with a brighter uh, future to look forward to. So thank you very much. Thank you, Leah. I look forward to talking again. Thanks, Leon. Thanks, Kate. See, speak to you all again soon. Bye-bye.